Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Mush, LARP, tabletop, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is Is to to have have fun. fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is Carrie, the legend. Hello. And Jason, the favorite. I'm also the one who might have finally memorized his opening line. I think, yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's only taken me, what are we, episode 2020? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even listen to these. I don't know. Hey, what can we be at? I, Where are we not at? Not a huge fan. What are we doing? <laughs> Before we get into combat rounds, let's take a quick second to get a report on our Patreon backers. I love our Patreon backers. Yeah, so we have a Patreon where you can pledge to uh, donate a little bit to the show to help us pay for the costs of doing it. One and of us. One <laughs> of us. Well, and I it, I don't listen, but I did back us, so that's just oh, well, that's good. Nice. Yeah. And in exchange uh, for backing us on Patreon, you get free stuff. Like we'll send you postcards, and you can get books and art prints and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Tell us about our backers. Well, we have um, Joel Eastland. Oh, Satin Rules. Satin that's right. Rules. Joel's, Joel's a good friend. Yeah. Who else we have? We have Ryan Martin. Oh. Who's, who's a... Lich Groundhog. He's a Lich Groundhog, yes. Uh, That's the only thing I can think of. That's right. I can't, I can't. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. We also have... But, but no, I don't. We, want you that, to, that's that, trying to get in before you said what about? Too late, Drew Stevens. Uh, what about Drew Stevens? <laughs> and Noah Coltrip. There, I went what about jumped ahead so that you couldn't yeah. say what about? What about Sarah? Sarah. <laughs> These are all people that we like. Cause we they do like them. Make this worth our while. That's right. Yeah. Independently, we like them. And also, they back us. Yeah. I was going to say, more importantly, we, we like it so we don't have to pay for this out of our own pocket. That's right. right. We have very short pockets. Yeah, d- tiny pockets, guys. Well, if you'd like a shout out or free stuff, we'd love to give you some. You can get them by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting here at this table hosting a podcast. I guess the next question is, what's up, Jason? What's up, Jason? Girl, Uh, girl, what you been doing this week? Girlfriend. Let's see. Well, you know, work as always, but that's no big deal. I try not even think about it when I'm not there. I try to think about your work all the time. Well, you should. I work at a nuclear plant. It could melt down at any... Well, no, it couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, technically it could. Oh, Oh, No, not really. Um, Let's see. The biggest thing that's been going on in my life lately is uh, me and my wife had the the romantic weekend off with nobody else there. It was great. The best part about it... Was her being there. The second part about it, what best part about it was, no one else being there at all. It was so good. Yeah, but you spent the whole time texting my wife pictures. No, <laughs> that's what I do all the time. That is true. Yeah. That is also, true. You, gotta, you see, my wife sleeps about 10 hours a day. Oh, you married a basset hound. Yes. So <laughs> I've got at least three hours a day where there's. it doesn't matter where we're at. I'm the only one awake. You just have nap time. Yeah, yeah. I did take a nap, though. I haven't done that oh. in years. It was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Don't, don't get used to it. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Carrie? What you been up to? So much art. Oh, you know, yeah. I watched your stream last Friday. It was really uh, fun. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I did uh, watch it. It was uh, on at the same time as television that I preferred to see in stream. Yeah, I, I know. You and have a time- DVR, right? Yeah, but it doesn't record Twitch. Oh, it... <laughs> wow. So. I'm down to the last five of the Gunbelt Critters. Yes. Awesome. So that's awesome, and I'm getting ready to start some of my commissions. So that's nervous and exciting. And, and, my Kickstarter is probably live by the time this... We can only goes. hope. We can only hope. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so if it's what's not your, live, we'll have to figure out whose fault that is. I know. We'll tell us someone. What's your Kickstarter? Um, it's postcards. Postcards. Oh, oh. but from your Inktober. Yes, stuff? from yeah. from last Inktober. Um, I'm doing the set of 31 postcards. Awesome. Well, we'll put the link in the in the show notes on our website. Yes, and everywhere. Make it. sure don't let me forget. And I'll post it on. Oh, also, we have a Reddit now. That's the other thing I did. This oh week, yeah, was awesome. I set up a Reddit. Subreddit for us, which I don't completely understand how to run. So I don't people understand help me. it. Yeah. 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 But we'll mm-hmm. also point realfunstudios.com at the Kickstarter as well. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. yeah, definitely. So, mm-hmm. And that's R E E L. Yes, real. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ryan? What have you been up to? What about me? What, what about, about Ryan? What about me? I have no exciting news from this past week. Oh. Yeah, well, you should well. do what I do and make something up. Right. I mean, uh, uh, so I've been working. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have been working. Did you go on a romantic getaway with Jason's wife no, as well? No, no. I, I did take a nap. Oh, That's okay. that not really news for you, though. Right. Yeah, he, you do sleep a lot. Yeah. Right. But I, I've been, I mean, still continuing to work on the gun belt. We're messing around with some of the troubles with goods that we encountered on our last our last playtest, which mm-hmm. has been a little bit frustrating because it's a, a cumbersome adjustment. Uh, but we're, you know, working through on that. Getting ready for a work trip. I'm going to be in New Orleans this coming weekend. Yep. Uh, oh, back to New Orleans? Yeah. Your least favorite city in the entire world? That is absolutely So true. your work sends you there constantly? Oh, my gosh. It's always no terrible. Joke. I have been to New Orleans more times than any other city in the U.S. And, and I, it is hands down my least favorite place to go. Do you at least go get beignets? Because I know I, you can't have many. I will this time. You have to. I mean, it's worth going to well, New Orleans. I didn't get beignets last time because the when I was there for the Alzheimer's Association, we just didn't have a chance. Oh. Like we were, there was no time. Uh, but the hotel brought them in and served them as like a snack between sure. sessions in right. the conference. Okay, yeah. that's so. Fun. So I had like Cafe Du Monde off brand. Beignets, which <laughs> I'm sure are okay, but it's not the well, same. Well, it's better they than were, no beignets. Right. They right. were not Café Du Monde beignets. But this time, I know that one of the people from my work that is going, he and I have already discussed it, and, and we've, we know exactly when our schedule permits it, and we're going to run, get them. And so, uh, so I know that I'm having them this time. You have to. Yeah. But the cool thing, actually, this time is going to be kind of neat because at the end of this trip, uh, I've got my friend Dan uh, he's a buddy that used to live here in Chattanooga, and, and we play magic together and stuff. Right. And he lives in Baton Rouge now. Mm-hmm. He works for the TVA. He, Isn't it Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge! Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baton Rouge 1. Yeah. <laughs> a Star Wars story. Anyway. Hey. Anyway, but that's like an hour outside of It's New not Orleans. that bad of a drive, though. Yeah, so what I'm going to do, because we get out like weirdly late afternoon Saturday, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to drive the hour to his place, and we'll go play Magic at his local gaming store. 
uh, Saturday night, and then I'll get up Sunday morning and and head back. So it'll be a little that'll be a little bit of fun amidst going to uh, you know the city you hate. Yeah, the city I hate. You're not the only person who's like, oh no, my work is sending me somewhere, to, like, and I one hate of the it. More cool places in uh, the yeah, world to go to. It drives to. me nuts. Oh, You've got so many weird like little picadillos, like little things that bother you that everybody else loves. <laughs> I could write a book about this. This I is really one could. Of, this is one of those things that I don't love. That See? See? Does. Everybody's <laughs> like, hey, people are talking about me. Cool. And Ryan's like, whoop. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. All right. Let's go to combat rounds because we've got a, a special guest joining what? us today. And it's going to be super cool. So here we go. It's going to be the goat. Boop, doop, doop. Welcome to Combat Rounds. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Dan Comstock. Yay! Yay! Dan is one of the guys behind Damarung. Right. Damarung! Damarung! And of course, he invented the most important LARP that will ever exist, Goat LARP. And, And Goat LARP. Whatever the fuck that is. Well, <laughs> it will end LARP as we know it. That's that true. Is, it is. You know what? The GOAT resolution system is amazing, and we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> so everybody that we have on, we ask them a couple of questions just kind of to break the ice. Like, what got you into role-playing to begin with? What got me into role-playing? You know, I started playing D&D at age 13. Yeah. I think because I had heard so much about how, you know, um, uh... You know, in, in the, the early 90s, there was, like, a big satanic scare, and mm-hmm. I wanted to get in on that, you know? Right. Like, like D&D players <laughs> used to be seen as really tough, scary people. Like, maybe they listen to heavy metal and do LSD and, you know, summon the devil. Like, I think that's what D&D is about, is what I got from the news. So, yeah, let me get in on that. <laughs> and then you showed up in someone's basement, and you were like, wait a minute! They're like, who's this 13-year-old kid? Yeah. <laughs> It turned out you thought it was LSD, but all you got was Doritos. <laughs> and then um, when I was like uh, 15, my friends and I, you know, we were, we would like play D&D like all day on beautiful weather outside. We would Absolutely. be observing the weather from indoors. Of course, the window. And eventually we're like, I wish there was some way to do this like with our bodies, you know, like run around and hit each other with sticks instead. And so like we, we as, as like, you know, 15, 16 year old kids, you know, I invented this this LARP that met, you know, every week and we played in a park. And we really thought we invented LARP. We didn't know anybody else was doing it. So we had this kind of, it was really punk rock, I guess, you know, in hindsight. But, um, you know, then we discovered that there are games like Nero and Big LARPs and we all went apeshit about it. And, you know, years later, now like 20 years later, I'm still doing this. It's You know, I have a suit and tie office corporate headquarters job and they're like, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> um, Pretended to be a vampire, hanging out with people. <laughs> when I was getting my uh, my wisdom teeth pulled, they're gassing me up, and um, they're like making small talk as I'm like going under. And the guy's like, uh, you know, it says here on your form you're a writer. What kind of stuff do you write? And I'm like, I run a adult sleepaway camp for nerds that think they're wizards and elves. And I just heard him go like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you trick people into going, though. They're like, adult sleepaway camp for elves? What? I think maybe I'm in. 
So we have uh, the folks who listen to our podcast. We have people who play like Mush, you know, the old text-based systems. Yeah. Uh, we talk to people who who LARP, and of course we do tabletop. And and there are different types of LARPs as well. Like we kind of come from a parlor LARP background, and you come from a boffer LARP uh, right. arena currently. But tell us a little bit about why why is boffer LARP the area you've chosen or that chose you. Oh. You know, like to me, like there's this, uh, you know, you're playing D and D and you're, you know, you have this visualization of what's happening and it's really exciting for me to kind of imagine like, what would it really be like to be like in a labyrinth with a minotaur following you, you know? And, uh, you know, LARP seems to get at that heart of that question of like, what, you know, what if you really like were in a fantasy world, what would that feel like? You know, um, for me, what I dig about LARP at this point in my life is like, yeah, the immersion, like being able to kind of forget about the outside world, like getting into my character's headspace and, um, and, and live combat, like sword fighting type LARPs, like have a really visceral, like, um, like you're really connected to the moment. It's really exciting. You know, it's, um, it's about generating these kind of cool experiences that, that exist on this physical level, you know, like, like what's fun, like fun is like swinging over, a chasm on a rope and then like stabbing a troll and kicking open a treasure chest. You know, it's like very easy to relate to, you know, and there's like a a lot of different types of experiences you can have in a live combat fantasy LARP, you know, some very, very literary and story driven, you know, but um, a lot of it is delivered through this, like, yeah, like really immediate, like adventure scenario, you know, skipping across stones as like lava is raising like kind of, uh, you know, action movie kind of moments. Right. My kid plays The Floor is Lava, and it's kind of like adult right. floor is lava. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. You were on staff for, for Nero, right, for a while? Yeah. yeah, I used to run a chapter of Nero called Avondale in Connecticut, and um, that was kind of like the home chapter of Nero at that time. You know, there were maybe, you know, for those of you that don't know, Nero is like a networked game. So, you know, there's one set of rules, and there were at one point 40 Nero chapters in the country that all represent different places in the the uh, setting and you can take your character from chapter to chapter. Right. You know, every, every chapter runs like a, you know, plot like that's bound to one weekend. So if you show up, you get kind of like a piece of a complete story. And, um, and yeah, so through that, I met the owner, Joe Valenti and I started kind of helping out with Nero at the, you know, kind of running the, like the larger organization. And then, you know, I spent about seven years kind of helping out with the rule book and, showing up at conventions to organize our presence there and um, coordinating national plot, and just all sorts of headache. It was a lot of fun. It was really challenging, but yeah. Uh. We, we all understand that. We've, we've <laughs> all had that very similar experience, but in the parlor LARP side where we went to the right game one day and then suddenly was recruited to run national plot for for a while. Right. <laughs> or, or be on the board. Of or be on the yes. board or something like that. It's funny because like when you're new, you know, you feels really special to be like tapped for these positions. But then like when you're like in the national organization, you're like, who can we, who's like a sucker that we can get to like. Absolutely. <laughs> who can I get to do a bunch of free work for me? Because I've got all this work <laughs> and I cannot pay them to do it. Yeah. It's tough to, you've got to find somebody who's smart enough to do the task with competence but dumb enough to do it for free. <laughs> nice. and, and there yeah. also has to be like a, like there was a couple of people I used to tap all the time to, to help me with stuff. And I was like, I have to be a little bit heartless here because as I know in a real way, this is way too much for them, <laughs> but I have to get it done. 
and I'm already doing more than I can handle, so somebody's got to do extra. Uh, so what got you away from nas- running national events and that sort of thing? Is it just kind of the, the regular drama of uh, being in an, a LARP org? You know, changing a big organization is really difficult. You know, right. and, and Nero is right. a company that, uh, and you guys certainly have experience with this, like the, the larger an organization is, the harder it is to change direction. Absolutely. Yeah. The way it works is very deeply entrenched by people that feel that they have a stake in it. So they, you know, throw all their charisma and, you know, effort into resisting the ways that the game is trying to grow. And uh, eventually it's just like, why am I doing this? You know? Wow. That's right. like, we are the choir here. <laughs> you're and you're yeah. preaching right to us. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Large ships turn back to like local games and just having fun. And it's like, that's, that's why I did this originally. You know, Absolutely. it's a lot more rewarding than, uh, is that around when you the big national shebang? Is that around when you started moving to accelerant based games? Uh, no, I mean I was playing accelerant based games when I, um, you know, was still doing Nero stuff. Okay, what uh, is it? I, I don't know what accelerant is. Can you... Okay, yeah. It's, so in brief, uh, Nero in around the year two thousand, Nero was trying to reduce its rule book size, and um, they they were kind of entertaining like pitches from their. Or the, the rules committee was trying to figure out how to make the game like simpler, less like more immersive. Like in Nero, every time you swing a sword, you have to call out how much damage you're doing. Right. And like oh. as the game went on, people's hit points got higher and higher. So it's like it just kind of becomes this algebra. Where like all right, <laughs> I've got 85 hit points, and I take half damage unless it's silver. And there's a guy swinging 14s at me, and you're like, you know, it's like really hard to like connect to the experience when you're like so much in the math of it. Right. You know. So um, so it, the, the, there was a, a pitch to uh, streamline the rules uh, submitted by Rob Ciccolini, uh, which kind of like boiled the game down to its elements and tried to make it like, what's the most simple way we can deliver this experience? And um, Nero couldn't handle it. So he said, screw it, I'm going to start my own game. And so, uh, uh, launched kind of like a, like he licenses out the accelerant rules to different LARPs. It's kind of a, a general rule system. You could run a sci-fi game with it. You could run a fantasy game with it. You know, it's just kind of... Um, you know, a series of mechanics that like different people can adapt. So it, it's a little simpler than Nero and it kind of caught on in new England. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's gotta be like 10 or 12 accelerant based LARPs floating around. Uh, and you ran a 24 hour a day, seven day a week accelerant LARP in college, right? What oh, was it? It was an accelerant though, right? That was totally homebrew. Oh. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, you know, okay. that was nuts. We had, it, it was a persistent game that take place in the, the dream world. And the idea is that this is like the dream version of the college we go to school at. And everybody, if you're playing the game, everybody that's walking around is just somebody that's having a dream. And we're like the creatures that like live in this dream world. And so you could put on an armband to indicate that you were like in the game space right now. And then people would like see you walking by outside their window and grab their armband and their boffer weapon and come try to assassinate you. And it was like, it was this crazy, <laughs> oh uh, uh, um, 24 seven game. Like it was, it was really wild. And, and at the time, the college was, like, really hip to that. Like, people were really appreciative of the fact that, like, somewhere on campus, like, somebody's killing a werewolf right now. You know? Like, <laughs> I, I went to the wrong college. I just found that out. I, I would can, have stayed in if I, I could have played this I game. Can re- I can remember in high school, we had a game like that that was going on, but it was mafia-based. Right. In, in our high school. And I can remember, I didn't play, but a bunch of my friends were. And I can remember one of my friends kicking in a door to one of the classrooms I was in. 
and they they assassinated another student with water guns <laughs> in the middle. And the teacher was just like, "All of you go down to the principal's <laughs> office now." And you know, like, it, it, like that's why, like, twenty four seven always fascinates me. Yeah. There was there's a school, a, a university here in Cleveland, Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, that had back when I would have been in school, I had a mafia game like that too, but they use Nerf guns. And so at any point you could be out and about and somebody starts nerfing you, you know, and, and, and they had this whole system where, uh, they actually went so far as to involve real money. And so there was like a buy-in to create your character. Yeah. It cost oh. you, it, like it cost you $10 and all of that money went to your Godfather's player. <laughs> And, and so, but what it did was it created a monetary incentive. You wanted to be the godfather because you get 10 bucks every time somebody died. Wow, it's a God. multi-level marketing. Brilliant. No, right? <laughs> they did that in my high school. They did that in my high school, too, because I remember at the end, like, the, the mafia guy, the mafia head in my high school pulled all of his his group his gang right into into the bathroom everyone i've you know I, i've called summoned you all here and like they would all like have stupid voices and to, the shitter. To, to the shitter to the shitter to talk about this and then he killed them all so he didn't have to share the pot with them ah! he murdered everybody that's, <laughs> that's called emergent play yeah it was, it was insane because then he i remember because he was one of the guys that would drive me home from school right and he was like get in the car we have to go get in the car, we have to go and i was just like what is happening you were the you were the driver. Oh, uh, no, I was the one that they'd always make me open up the uh, the car doors first because so another. Explode. Yes, because if because they would put Vaseline or whatever on the handles and that would be poison, oh, or or if they gross. you know something that would make the the car explode and if you accidentally killed a civilian you lost points. Oh. And so I didn't realize that they were using me as like a mind detector. Uh, yeah, mind detector basically. <laughs> Like thanks, guys. Uh, so you've you've been traveling to Germany a lot in the last few years. Can you talk to me about that to play in the big festival LARPs there? Yeah, yeah. So I've been to Mythodia twice. That's the uh, the world's biggest LARP, um, and then Drakenfest. Uh, this summer will be my third Drakenfest. That's probably the world's second biggest LARP. Can you tell us about some numbers, just yeah, for perspective? What is, what is biggest? Yeah. So I. It, Mythodia is probably at about ten thousand people. Wow! Now is that is that a network or is that like ten thousand people all in one place doing it? Yeah, it's one big ass five day event that wow. has that you know eight ten thousand people is, at it. Is that a park or where do you where do you ten thousand people is a lot of folks to manage in a space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both Mythodia and Drakenfest, I believe, take place on, like, I think when they're not in use for the LARP, they're like a horse farm. And during that week, they kind of move the horses out. So it's like a lot of, like, open fields and pastures and kind of trails connecting. So it's camping. And then, and then they build this huge town. I mean, oh, no. festivals are really, really exciting. Uh, you know, people show up, you know, the day before the game and build, like, wooden structures. It, Dra- Drakenfest is kind of like a capture the flag style game. So there's 12 camps, and each camp has, like, a huge wooden wall in front that they build on the first day of the game with a gate, you know, there's sieges and, uh, there's also a city. Both games have like a really big city. That's, um, like, it's like larger than a Ren Faire and, you know, has like every kind of vendor there. You can buy weapons and costume and food and knickknacks and handmade crafts and stuff like that. 
Like some people go to these events, like not even for the LARP, but just to, you know, check out the, like the city and all the stuff going on in there. So it's literally also a festival. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the LARP festivals, they're really kind of the midpoint between a LARP and like a giant festival experience. And, and some, some of these like European festivals are really, you know, embracing that like, uh, like old town festival is a Polish post-apocalypse game. That's like three days of LARP and then two days of music festival. They get a bunch of bands from all over Europe to come and play heavy metal and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it sounds like a great time. You've got to go <laughs> and then report back to us what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw 10 bucks at you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll defray those costs. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanna, I'm fascinated by this idea of, the, of a German LARP festival like that, the Mythodia. Like what, what happens at them? So there's, like you said, there's a, um, there's a fest, actual festival element. But then what, what is the LARP part like? Like, are they, are they actually LARPing in the middle of the festival, like in the aisles of the shops and everything? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's game on. I mean, it is a full LARP, you know, like you have to use a name, like you have a character with skills, presumably, you know, there's magic. You kind of have to understand how the rules of magic work in order to play. It's all very simple. You know, German LARPing is like very rules light, so it's very accessible. You know, you can have everything explained to you pretty quickly. Um, but, and then the... There are two very different style events. Mythodia has PCs and NPCs, and there's, you know, the NPCs are playing like the evil armies, you know, and so there's, you know, soldiers and undead and aberrations and different kind of themed armies that you're, you know, the player camps are fighting each other a little bit, but mostly they're fighting the antagonists. And uh, it has to do with this plot line of, you know, which has now been going on for like 12, 13 years, I think, of uh, um, settling this untamed continent of Mythodia. Uh, Drakenfest, on the other hand, is, it's a little bit more player-facing. Like, the, you have 12 themed camps. The, the idea is that there are 12 dragons that uh, fight every year. But they can't fight directly because they would destroy everything. So they have, they call armies to them that support their, you know, philosophy. So you pick which dragon you want to serve, and then you um, sign up with that themed camp, and the different colored dragons are different kind of fantasy themes. Um, and then they, you know, there's a, a, a battle for, it's, it's basically like capture the flag. Like every camp has a flag that they're defending and, you know, people are trying to take the flag away and keep it in their camp. Uh, at 9am, however many flags you have in your camp, you get that many dragon eggs, which is like the scoring mm. mechanism. And, you know, so, so it's this five day capture the flag game with rapidly shifting alliances, you know, you're, you, uh, your group allies with somebody and then gets betrayed later and, um, you know, so it, it's like it's really like a crazy immersive fantasy movie. And both of these events end with a, a crazy big battle that like everybody's fighting. You know, you just look around and there's, you know, thousands of people, you know, just in fully kitted out outfits all around you. And and the combat roleplay over there is really intense. You know, you see a lot there's a lot of fake blood, there's a lot of shouting. Oh goodness. You know, there's not a lot of like the rules are really in the background. It's it's really easy to forget that there's like a you know, a rule system going on. So you don't have people uh, running around shotgunning people or, you know, uh, like these super fast strikes and things like that you see in Nero and other uh, American buffer LARPs? Is it... Right, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a real emphasis on, um, you know, role-playing the swing and then um, reacting to a good strike is like rewarding that person for the cool role-play, you know? Like if somebody does like a really... Like there's no rule that says if you get hit with a hammer, you have to fall down. But the rule is like react to what people are doing. So if I make a big swing with a big hammer and it looks like it should knock me down, 
you know, I'm going to, you know, you you get knocked down or knocked back or whatever, even though there's no like mechanic telling you to do that. It's just kind of like, just try to support the scene, you know? Yeah. And that many people that are all doing that, it really comes together in a incredible sensory experience that I don't mean to rabbit trail us here, but what do you think it is that prevents folks here in the States LARPing from being able to embrace that kind of scenario? Like it's hard for us to, as much as we like to talk about how losing is good story, you know, Mm. getting struck is good story. Let them strike you and react and reward them with that reaction. But there's a competitiveness in player versus player here that doesn't doesn't seem to exist quite in the same way uh in european larps what's with that (laughs) i've I've thought about this a lot there's a lot of different answers for it um the the one that i think is kind of larger to me is that um it seems like american larps kind of derived from D D and tabletop experiences where you have a dm and you have you know you know this this kind of story that's delivered through like mechanics um, or the story isn't delivered through the mechanics, but the gameplay is very mechanic focused. Right. Whereas European LARPs, I feel like kind of grew more out of their reenactment scene. Um, they're, you know, a lot of them do have one foot in D and D still, but a lot of them like are not trying to replicate a D and D game. You know, they're trying to replicate, you know, they're trying to, again, like create this space. Like what would it be like if there was a, you know, um, Elven nation, you know, what, how would they dress and how would they, and a lot of the attention is put on that. So, so like, it, they are a little bit less gamey, like, and, and the way that they, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's hard to put my finger on it, but like, I think that like, we're aiming at like slightly different targets in the U S it sounds like there are a lot, a lot more, it sounds like they are a lot more like the SCA here, the society of creative anachronisms that right. than a game. Yeah, but they'll fight you over whether or not they're a LARP. Well, <laughs> yeah, because they're they're not a LARP, but they are, but they're not. Yeah. I have the most important question. Which dragon did you support? <laughs> uh, so I'm in the gold camp, the okay. gold dragon, which uh, the theme is uh, balance. Uh, and so we're kind of like, um, we're one of the smaller teams in Drakenfest with a mere 500 people. Oh, <laughs> so small. I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that our LARP org was 500 people. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Uh, and it's like a little, every camp is like a little city. You know, there's, there's, you know, we've got a tavern, we've got a playhouse, we've got a religious temple, we've got our own thieves guild. And, you know, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, it really is its own LARP inside of a huge LARP. So when you get, other, you know, completely independent camps going. Uh, and, and we're kind of, uh, because we're one of the smaller teams, uh, we kind of became, um, over time, like, like it's not so much about us winning as choosing who to support. Like we tend to, the, like the, the way the balance is expressed through the, the gold dragon philosophy is that we kind of support underdogs, uh, and people who we, we feel haven't had a win in a while. We'll buddy up with them and give them all the eggs that we can get. And, uh, right. and then eventually there will come a time where we cash it in. And, you know, and all the people that we've helped out over the years will help us win. Right. And, uh, we, we almost won last year. It really came down to the final battle. But uh, maybe maybe this year we'll do it. I don't this, know. <laughs> this is your year. Uh, what what kind of play is somebody putting on in the camp at the huge battle LARP? There are people – like there's an actor troupe. Within Gold Camp, there's an actor troupe. Like they're playing actors right. in this fantasy world. And they have these like – 
you know, powdered outfits and wigs and stuff like that. And um, they, they do it pretty simple. You know, like nobody's like memorizing lines per se. Like they, they put on these plays like a couple times during the week. Uh, and uh, how it tends to be is like, it's like somebody like reading like a book of verse, you know, like rhyming poem kind of thing. And then mm. the actors on stage are performing the lines like kind of pantomime style, you know. Uh, so it, yeah, it's not, it, that's probably a lot easier than memorizing 30 pages of dialogue. Absolutely. You know, presenting them. Um, it still sounds like a lot of fun to watch. And, <laughs> and these towns and, and camps and things that get built, like when you arrive in Germany, do you have to go to the store and go to the German Lowe's and buy plywood? I mean, how does, how does that work? <laughs> so each camp has like an, like an architecture team that uh, shows up on the, the two days before the game. Uh, and they, um, they drop off a bunch of lumber, uh, for actually, no, at Mythodia, they drop off lumber and people build palisades around their camp and then they kind of get rid of the walls at the ends. But at Dragonfest, the, uh, the walls are a big deal. Like some of them are really awesome looking. Uh, and you know, like the black dragons walls look like some like facade that you'd see in Mordor. It's, it's crazy. You know, you know, uh, black walls with like parapets and, uh, torches on them and, you know, weird magical writing all over. It's awesome. So they, um, I think like most of them, you know, they break down the walls at the ends and throw them in a trailer and then store yeah. them for the whole year and then kind of reassemble it and upgrade it every year. So all that setup takes place like before the game. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of hardware store runs. I've never helped directly with that element of it. What does an experience like this cost? It sounds right, not so- inexpensive. <laughs> no, well, it's, you know, all things considered, I'd say like, it's pretty cheap except for the plane ticket. Right. You know, right. getting to Germany is going to cost you, you know, that's a grand yeah. bucks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, to, I mean, that's me flying out of JFK, you know, it's pretty close to me. So like, that's not that bad, but, um, uh, and then let's see the event itself. They raised the prices. Now I think it's about 200 bucks for the five day event. That's not bad at what? all. What? Right? Uh, how, wow. How is, is that like, possible? Well, if you have 10,000 people there, $200 a piece yeah, is a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, that, that's just the event ticket. Um, you know, I have a, I, I probably pay like 150 bucks or so to my camp and that, that um, gets me, you know, like the space that we have. Uh, it Like in our camp, we've got a guy that cooks like a soup, like two soups every day and we've got like a breakfast table. Um, all the mead you could possibly drink. It's crazy. Um, and then I think I pay another like 75 bucks to like split a tent with three people. Right. Okay. So you're looking at like 400 bucks by the time it's all done ish. Yeah. And then I probably spend another hundred bucks on food while I'm there and just ball out. Like they're like, so there are like food vendors, but they're all in character food vendors that are selling food. I want to make a, a quick comment about this. When the, the trip that I made to New York and I, and I visited you and we talked for a little bit, I spent more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper for you to just go to this I LARP. I should have just went to this LARP. <laughs> well, I'm so fascinated by how awesome that sounds. Why can't we make that happen here? Well, we got Dameron. Dameron! Dameron! I hope so. You know, I, I, in our... In our 
in our, the dream is that Damarong is like the proto festival, you know, like we, we don't have a U.S. LARP festival. Right. I think in part because the, like the, there are so many different LARP styles, it's kind of hard to put up a flag that everybody's going to get behind. Right. You know, there's a lot of contrasting philosophies about what LARP should be out there, you know. So like finding something that like we can get over. I mean, there's enough LARPers that we could have a U.S. LARP festival. Absolutely. Yes. It doesn't exist yet. If you and, could get uh, everyone to just agree on a genre of play, we definitely have 10,000 LARPers that could be at a festival. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, but, the SCA is a, uh, what's it called? Pinsic? It's mm-hmm. that big every year. Yeah, but SCA yeah. isn't LARP. <laughs> but I mean, you can convince 10,000 people to travel to one location and act weird for a weekend. Right. It's possible. You need like a LARP stock. Instead, you know, that's like, what we it's did. Like, the Woodstock of LARP. <laughs> but but again, you're talking about like in America, you're talking about parlor LARP versus boffer LARP. And there's um, a thousand different varieties of both of those. Of both uh-huh. of those. And then you've got, you know, the the just the generic sort of blockbuster thing that's happening now. You know, like I really thought that uh College of Wizardry or the other College of Wizardry that I can't ever remember the name of. New World Magiscola. Uh, New World Magiscola. I always thought that one of those was maybe onto the right genre that everyone could get behind. You know, there's something yeah. about yeah. yeah. Harry Potter School is just pop culture enough that I kind of thought everyone in every LARP could probably get behind that, mm-hmm. but it never quite. Even if you don't you know, like Harry does Potter, well. you yeah. can you can get go and have it. a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So. So tell us about if, if Damarung. It sounds like your dream is Damarung is to is to be the first American festival LARP eventually. Yeah. Maybe I mean you know it's it's a limited run LARP. Damarung is only supposed to run for like three or four years, right? Uh, and then you know the story will end. But um, yeah, I mean part of what we want to do is develop tools so that like large numbers of people can play together without needing a lot of direction and NPC micromanagement. You know with uh, and to just see if we can have these kind of like a game that's just kind of groups interacting with groups and not have to force too much structure on it, you know, um, and, and, and see if that scales well, you know, that's the other critical thing. You know, one of the reasons that I think we don't have a LARP festival in in the U S is because a lot of the formats that we use to LARP don't scale up to a thousand people really well. They work really well for 60 and a hundred person games, but I mean, especially like the Nero style, like we're, it's like very module driven. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're constantly grabbing 12 people and bring them onto an adventure for half an hour and then spit them back out. Right. Well, like it's really hard to distribute that type of plot amongst over a thousand people, you know? Right. And then there uh, are other like systems like, like the white wolf systems, the, from a plot element, it works for thousands of people, but the mechanics of paper, rock, scissors becomes burdensome at those numbers. I mean, yes. it, it becomes, becomes cumbersome re- at 30. Yes. <laughs> 10, 15. Yeah. 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 So the beautiful thing about Damarong is that, I mean, in part, like, it's really fun to run because we don't have to, like, really burn ourselves out during the weekends. Normally, if I'm running a LARP weekend, I've got, like, a script that I'm trying to get all the content out, and it takes a lot of logistics, you know, get the NPCs into the right place, set up the props, the scene has to happen, or the weekend story falls apart. At Damarong, it's, like, kind of like everybody's just playing the event. And because it's not, nobody's facing the plot that we're running, you know, they're facing the plot that other players are running. And we give them a lot of tools to generate plot for each other and kind of take risks that uh, invite people to react. And so, you know, when the event begins, I'm not like doing a lot of setup still. Like I get to just kind of play the event as a character, you know, and, you know, like kind of a, a you know, a, a high profile character, but everybody's a player, you know, and everybody is um, 
playing with each other really nicely. Uh, Can I ask you a couple of questions about that? And I think that's that's kind of like ideally how you want the festival to run too. You know, you want it to kind of like, you, you want it to kind of run itself. Like you can't micromanage an event at that scale. So you just got to kind of put the tools in play for people to kind of assemble the collective story and then, you know, and then kind of take your hands off it and let it roll on its own momentum. Can you talk about some of the tools that you're all using to enhance that sort of behavior? What do, what are you doing to create that? Yeah. So, so, um, one of the, you know, we had in, in part a reaction to LARPs with really bad PVP. Sure. Like first step is we're familiar you know, we non toxic <laughs> PVP where it's not just like the most athletic players kind of like roll everybody else and take their gear, you know? Right. Um, so, so really like the, the core thing about the game, like, has a lot to do with um, uh, consent-based conflict, and okay. that you have tools to escalate or de-escalate the scene in a way that would be fun, um, and diffuse conflict that isn't necessarily, uh, you know, diffuse scenes that aren't going like the way that would be enjoyable. Um, so, like, if it's and- too much for you, like, I, I, I'm not ready for this level of conflict. I could de-escalate that. Right. So, let me give you an example. Um, you know, uh, like I run the uh, the troll faction. And right. We're, we're the antagonists of the event. Everybody else is a human, and then we've got a, a group of trolls. And all weekend, we're just trying to, you know, put our fingers into people's eyeballs and screw stuff up. Yeah, right. I want to uh, do that. And, uh-huh. uh, there's a certain point in the weekend where, you know, we have to do, like, our own, like, religious ritual, which is what it really is is a team-building exercise. And, you know, we, we tell the gods about our accomplishments and it's really pat you, but you can't talk about your accomplishments. You have to talk about somebody else in the group's accomplishments. So okay. it's this kind of ritual where we pat each other on the back and give each other thumbs ups. And we're about to start, you know, we're doing this ritual and like humans have heard us doing it and they show up to kick our ass. And, and, and I'm like, you know, like we're kind of in the middle of like a really good thing and like disrupting it doesn't help you at all. Like, so I'm like really quick, like the lead fighter that's calling us out, you know, I come up to him and, I, and I'm able to do like a quick, like check in symbol like you make an okay symbol right. to indicate that like we kind of want to have like a little metagame communication right now. Mm-hmm. And I was able to lean in and say like, you know, it really wouldn't be fun for us. Like we're, we're actually outnumbered like five to one right now. Like if you stomp all over this, like it'll be an easy time for you and it'll kind of ruin everybody here's night. So like, like we let us do this and game? then come beat up, beat us up kind right. of deal. Like, yeah. Do you want to fight, but like just not right now. Yeah. You know? And, um, and they were able to like read that and go, okay, yeah, we, we recognize what's going on. And they changed gears. And instead of fighting us, they were just calling us out, you know, and challenging us to a fight the next day. So they still got to role play, you know, that they hate the trolls and they came here to do something about us, but they also didn't block our play. That's know? great. Wow. I love and that. Blocking play is like one of the things that really drives up frustration that, you know, in a lot of PVP type games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, like it was a really good diffusal of that. Another thing is, you know, like people that have cool ideas have a space that they can kind of work out the seeds of stories with each other before a game. Like we have a workshop before the game begins where you can, you know, kind of like like the different factions get together amongst themselves and form relationships within the faction. So, um, you know, when the game begins, you already have somebody that knows one of your secrets and somebody that you're trying to like get in their good graces mm. and you've got your own like, kind of little, little plot, like within your team, like people are really receptive to, you know, staging the beginning of a scene with each other. A lot of people come to the game with ideas for cool moments that they want to happen and like kind of are able, not, like, 
I don't know if scripting it's the right word, but like they can kind of put the pieces into the like without getting too specific, uh, put the pieces into play that will allow that story to play. Yeah, right. They can they have seeds they and then see where it goes. Right, and then it also has like a really uh, like overall a really simple uh, like kind of capture the flag based system where we have two types of loot, big bags of food. Uh, you know, which is like a burlap stack, sack stuffed with leaves. That's a bag of food. And then uh, treasure, which is like treasure in our game is all like goblets and platters and candelabras and like big metal things. Like nothing you can stick in your pocket. You mm-hmm. know, like you got to throw it in a in a sack and uh, carry it back to your Jarl and dump it out on the carpet before him. And he's like, I am pleased. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the game has, to, like every team has to collect a certain amount of this stuff every event or something bad narratively happens to them you know you need 10 bags of food or your people are going to starve right. and then the next event you'll start off role playing that you're you're starving there's no mechanical consequence for not winning the game there's just a narrative consequence for not doing this and that gives um people like there's the kind of a basic conflict over these resources all weekend um and we also run these like really great like peasant raids where we set up like villagers like uh, the trolls all take a turn just being peasants and we go like find a group of cabins that we're like living in as peasants, and everybody has like food and treasure in their cabins. And then you know you, a horn blows, and the Vikings come in and kill all of us. <laughs> you know, uh, but it'll be like two factions are raiding us at the same time, so they're trying to like compete over who can get more treasure. You know, right. and sometimes you know a fight might break out between them or whatever. You know, um, so that that gets a lot of the loot into the game that people are fighting over. Sure. Um, well, you've, you've yeah, t- and there's a lot. Of, just a lot of storytelling and competition surrounding those elements. You touched on it a little bit. What is what is the genre of Dameron? Oh, yeah, so it's a it's a, a Viking uh, Viking Age like like a like Dark Ages fantasy game, except for it's very low fantasy. It's very grounded in like the year nine hundred. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's all like fake nations. You know, like we kind of came up with um, uh, uh, analogous fantasy nations for um, there's there's a Norse faction. There's a Celtic faction. There's like a Frankish knight faction that's like kind of like early Christianity and um, uh, like a Stone Age uh, caveman cannibal faction, and then the trolls. Uh, and and the idea is that the world is ending. Like we, it's been prophesized that the world is going to end in like 75 years. Every every winter, the winter gets colder and nastier, and uh, and so like it, it's kind of it's telling the story about the decay of civilization. Um, what at, we're only running, I think three, I can't remember now whether it's three or four years, but you know, we're only running, uh, three like full weekend events per year. And then be, that's called a chapter. And then between each chapter, 25 in-game years passes. Right. So right now we're playing the beginning of the story, but at the end we'll be playing, uh, everybody's going to be like the, you know, grandchild of their first character mm. and, you know, we'll be living in the world that was kind of created from the choices earlier in the story. The world is coming apart, like, the environment is getting worse, like, crops are failing. And so, like, we're kind of confronting a lot of, uh, like, I don't know, existent anxiety around that. Mm. You know, so it's, it's made for some really ritual play. So if people want to play this, where how do they find out more about it? So you can find, there's a, a Facebook group, Damarung LARP. Uh, this game runs in eastern Pennsylvania. Um... And yeah, I'd say find us on Facebook. We do have a website, and for some reason, it doesn't come up when you Google search us. But I think because everybody <laughs> just goes to the Facebook group. Well, we'll put a we'll put a link to the Facebook group in our show notes on our website, and 
so folks can can find it there. But if you don't check our show notes, it's spelled D A M M E R U N G, and it says that's right. Damerung. <laughs> <laughs> is that German? What's that German? Is that like after German for Twilight? Twilight. Oh, so I get to wear glitter. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> The Viking we, age of glitter. Right. <laughs> so we've got just a couple minutes left. Let's let's quickly talk about this other thing that you're doing. <laughs> oh yes, the LARP that will destroy the entire LARP industry. What the hell is Goat LARP, and why the fuck are you running it? <laughs> what what is that? <laughs> uh, goat LARP is well. I mean, I'm running it because it's it the you know LARPs. All have to change, and Goat Larp's going to lead the way. Goat Larp is going <laughs> to chew up the old form and produce something new <laughs> from the ashes of Larp. A new age of Larp will begin, beginning with the goats. So, it sounds like a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is what is Goat Larp? So Goat Larp, um, we're uh, renting out a goat farm in Reading, <laughs> Connecticut, and we're running a, a one-day event in June where you'll show up in costume, and hang out with the goats. Now, are you, so are you playing goats? No. The, here's the brilliant part. The goats are the PCs. We are running the LARP for them. The LARP is for the goats. So everybody that, all the paying customers that are going to show up and do this, <laughs> is running adventures and immersive experiences for these goats. And it, that's the gist of it. You know, we're, so tell me about your goat resolution system. All right. So the, the goat-based resolution system is one of, of several things that you can use to build plot using the goats. An example would be, um, you know, a goat is uh, – uh, say a goat is King Solomon. And, and we approach – you know, two, uh, two of us approach the goats with, you know, carrots in hand and one says, uh, my lord, you know, the goblins are attacking from the north. And I think we should muster the armies to defeat them. And if you agree, eat this carrot. And another person says, no, the goblins need to, you know, <laughs> the goblins are here to save us from an even, I don't know, you just bullshit something, who knows. But if you agree with me, eat this carrot. And then, you know, the goats choose. The go- <laughs> they get to choose the outcome of the story. They have complete agency in this story. <laughs> they to facilitate whatever they want to do. This is, is already better than paper, rock, scissors. Uh, play with us. Yeah. Um, okay, because someone has to ask. <laughs> this isn't a joke, right? <laughs> it it kind of started as a joke and became progressively more real the more we talked about it, which, which I think is how the best projects start. Yeah, it began as a shit post. It was my, uh, my, my co-runner, Dan Burke, was, was frustrated with drama in the LARP community and the complexity of games. And he said, next game I play, I just want it to be like a... Like we just pet goats in costumes. And, and, and people, like, well, I'm in. I would attend that. Yeah. Let me call up some goat farms. And see how that works. So we, we found this farm that does goat yoga because we figured they, they're probably hip to it. Yeah, because they'd, uh, they'd be used to being around people. That actually makes sense. This is the first part of this story that's made sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so uh, this uh, January, we sh- we checked out this goat farm. We met the goats. They were incredibly friendly. The goats are really social. They love people. They love having their pictures taken. You know, you pull out your camera and goats just kind of like come up and, and pose for you. Oh, interesting. And, uh, uh, and they're really cute. They love games. You know, like the, so this, this farm has, I think, like 16 goats, two Icelandic ponies, a bunch of cows, 
like big fluffy cows. And, and they're just really social, social, beautiful animals. They like climbing on things and they'll, they're game for something. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. You know, we're not running a lot of content at Goatlark. We're giving you the opportunity to run content for the goats. So I don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> this is called emergent play. <laughs> how, how big do you think Goatlark is going to be? How many, have you sold tickets yet? Like How many what is, thousand people do you think will be there? <laughs> tens of thousands. Here in the first year of Goat Larp, <laughs> it's really hard to say because the idea is it sounds so stupid and is so stupid. No, no, no. no. A lot of, it's generated a lot of like excitement about it, but it's, it's really hard to tell how that's going to translate into ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So I can say comfortably, I know we're going to have at least 30 people, but we're going to cut it off at 100. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. Tickets are going to go on sale soon, and we'll find out how serious we <laughs> are about it. I've played smaller LARPs <laughs> that uh, were fun. Yeah. It's like it's... A good 30, 40 people that are like, yes, I'm definitely coming to Goat LARP. So, well, you know, I'm coming if work allows. <laughs> the most common question I've been asked this year is, is Goat LARP real? Is this just <laughs> this joke that got out of control? It is a joke that got out of control, but it is also real. Sure. Well, you know, we you... say the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun, and this sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, it does. <laughs> Do do you have a an age restriction on who can play goat larp? No, you can bring your kids. Uh, you know, anybody, anybody can come play. Right. Um, can't bring animals. That's the the one one question I mean, we've been asked a bunch. And you know, the the goats don't necessarily get along with dogs and get freaked out. So that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's, you know. they're always trying to herd them up. Or something. We're gonna have an achievement system. I, I'm still working on this, but I think we'll give out stickers for various things. Like you take a selfie with all the goats, you get a sticker. You step in goat poop, you get a sticker. Fair, yeah. Or steps in the most goat poop gets a special sticker or something like that. I know <laughs> some competitive larpers that would be stomping all over that field. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> So where can f- people find out more about Goat Larp that, and read the thousand-page rulebook you wrote? Oh yeah, we yeah we did put together a huge rulebook for people that uh, really need uh, rules. Uh, you know, <laughs> people are used to like building a character and theory crafting and stuff like that. So we had to we had to make up some rules for situations that will definitely not happen in Goat Larp. Like right. we have a space station infiltration rule set. Okay. Absolutely. You know, you have to sneak onto it. Get past all the guards, hang up your personal live, laugh, love sticker, and sneak out. It's it's all detailed in the rule book, yeah. um, it, but though it will not happen during the game. So um, what's where yeah, where can we find all this at? There will be a link. There'll be a, a link. link for the website. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put a link up because I just googled it. Does Goat Larp have a uh, a Facebook page at this point? At yes. least yeah. okay. yes. All right, then we'll we'll put that up on our show notes. <laughs> As well, I, mean, I, I really want people to come to this thing, and um, and like just you know you know the, the the farm owner told me that the thing about goat yoga is that it's like twenty five percent yoga, seventy five percent like taking selfies with goats and mm-hmm. like hugging the animals and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be very similar. Um, you know, I, I want people to get a bunch. You know, the goats are they're so photogenic. Like it's so fun to just like just see them perching on something and get a picture and like. You can frame that. All right, that's like Frodo standing on the edge of Mount Doom filled with doubt. Uh, we should I mean, bring a green screen. One of the other main goat games that you can, you know, part of it is about running games for these goats. So, like, here's an example of one is, like, uh, we get one goat and he's Frodo and, and, and he's on team free people of Middle Earth. 
and then you get another goat, and he's Sauron, and he's you know the opposition. And then the 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 Sauron's team and Frodo's team are both trying to get the goat to walk around, you know, leading him around with carrots or you know whatever. And um, like, and you mark off some part, portion of the farm that's like that's like Mordor. And if Frodo can get to Mordor, then the free people of Middle Earth will survive. But if Sauron touches Frodo at any point, then the ring is lost and the world is screwed forever. I've so played it's worse just games. Kiting these goats around with we've ran worse games into each other with this like elaborate, over the top, overwrought fantasy story on top of it. It sounds a lot like the World of Darkness, where you, <laughs> you know, like you have, you have players that you have to lead with carrots to get them to do stuff. And they never really want to do it because they're stubborn or they don't understand what you're doing. And they do bump into each other. And you just feel like all you did all day was was waste your time and step in a lot of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're doing that on purpose, though. (laughs) That's right. Right? (laughs) So there you go. That's winning. That's good. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Well, Dan, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, Do you have any anything else you want to plug or anything before we let you have your life back? I feel like I should always plug my stupid Twitter LARP tips. Oh, it's so good. Cutting edge LARP technology tips uh, and um, advice for game runners. Like if you want to run like a really bad game, like my Twitter is a good place to start. Oh, okay. So give us one LARP tip real quick. All right. If you want a low magic setting where uh, magic is feared by the common man, you should represent magic with glitter. Oh, the magic sword's covered in glitter. Like, this sword kills all it touches. Who wants it? And everybody's like, no, throw it in the river. <laughs> That's true. I like that. I like that. That's how Damarong started, actually. Yeah. The glitter <laughs> got in the river. That's and right. It. What is the username people can find you at Twitter on? LARP underscore tips. All right. Just the tips. <laughs> hey. Just LARP tips. <laughs> all right, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate you uh, entertaining us for a little while today. Thanks a lot, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Believe it or not, of everyone we've ever had on this show, you have the best hair. I do. (laughs) Mostly because he has the most hair. That as well. We've had a lot of bald people on. LARP must make people lose their hair. Well, it's done me no favors. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, let's do game wrap. Woo. That's the end. So, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you, you guys think of that? Pretty I, good episode? I think I, I want to so. go play Goat Lark. But definitely. Yeah? I don't know if Ryan is or not, but we're definitely going. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sold. I don't... I don't get it. <laughs> I think that's just because you don't have a heart. I, I don't. You I know. think it's because you take LARP too seriously. I actually That's not think true. It, I think it would do you good, actually. Every time, every time LARP gets too serious, I, I make a joke out of character. You always say that to me. Yes, because you're taking it too seriously. Or is it you? No. Because you won't you... let me drop out of character and just be a human. Oh right, drop gosh. out of character somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you're, taking, you're taking me to goat LARP. You're going to have fun, and you're going to take pictures of me with cute goats. And we're going to bring a big green screen. Yes, we are. You so know, we could... Put those goats wherever we want. Literally in space. Let's show him. Uh, You know what? I should have told Dan my great marketing idea for Goat Lark. What's that? It's a transformational experience. Oh.
All right. Well, you can find us at onarollpodcast.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to other people bullshit for 45 minutes as part of something called a podcast. Yep. We're also on Twitter at onarollpodcast. Tweet, 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 tweet. You can talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash onarollpodcast. Of course, you can send us an email at hosts. At Honor Roll Podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to get some free stuff and help us keep the show going, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash, guess what it is? Honor Roll. Honor Roll Podcast. <laughs> We're Honor Roll Podcast just about anywhere that Honor Roll Podcast can be found. Even a subreddit now, though I'm basically the only person really on it right now. <laughs> so <laughs> please, come join it and put content there. Yeah. I'm trying. Go, go hang out with Jason, somebody. Uh, Awesome. All right. Well, we really appreciate Dan being here with us today. Um, Dan is going to actually get 12 experience points today. We're really, really glad that he was here. Uh, He would have gotten 15, but he lost three because of Goat LARP. No, no, no. No. That's why you've got to start giving out XP instead of Ryan Carey. Yeah, I think that might have to be the case. I just like, like, he got 10 for being a great guest, and he got five for. Filling us in on the cool insight about the German LARP festival scene. Which and sounds then, awesome. And then he lost three points because of goat LARP. Oh. You're a terrible person. Am I? Think, I? Yeah. Yes. All right. So, what else? Uh, <laughs> Nobody else gets XP because I'm a terrible person. No, no, it's okay with me. Fair. Always be nice to your DM because if you're not, he won't give you XP. At the I'm end. not sure what the fun in that is. There's no fun in that. Mm-hmm. You just lost this role play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lose because I'm going to go play with goats. That's oh. right. Right? I'm going to give those goats so many XP. Oh, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be like fat XP goats. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so excited. (sighs) Goodness gracious. I don't even know what's happening anymore. Well, what's happening next week? Well, next week our topic is going to be pig LARP. (laughs) (laughs) Battle the villainous swine. What? That was it? It's a dirty game. It's a dirty game? So we can't really talk about it. So it's 18 and over? Right. All right. We should make it 30 and up. (laughs) <laughs> nobody nobody wants dirty stuff with nobody dirty wants, people up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, until next time, remember the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. Woo! With goats. With goats. Oh, transformational. I'm posting it right now. <laughs> <laughs>